favorite show on iHeartRadio and then hit the follow button. You'll get a notification every time a new podcast is available. FM 96.9, game, WYGM, Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando, the home of the UCF Knights. Fox Sports trending now. Two games going on right now in Major League Baseball. San Diego holding on to a 5-4 lead over Milwaukee as they make their way to the top of the seventh inning. Meanwhile, bottom of the seventh in Oakland. And the A's holding on to a 4-3 lead over Baltimore. Again, top of the or bottom of the seventh there in Oakland. Earlier, the Yankees 12-1 winners over Tampa Bay. CC Sabathia's 250th career win. New York's won five straight. Washington takes game one of a doubleheader, 6-2 over Philadelphia. Cincinnati, a two-run ninth, gives a 3-2 walk-off win over Houston at the FIFA Women's World Cup. England, a 2-0 win over Japan. They win Group D, while Scotland and Argentina played to a three-all draw. And Milwaukee's Chris Middleton turning down his $13 million player option to stay with the Bucks. He'll become an unrestricted free agent this summer. I'm Ralph Irvin. We are The following is a paid program. The views and opinions expressed in this program are not those of iHeartMedia, its management, or advertisers. Golf and rock and roll, not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway, don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going, we were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love to play. Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders taking you home on the rainy, stormy fairways of I-4. Tonight in the house, Holly G, along with my special guest caddy, Mr. Jeff Babineau. Babs, great to have you in studio tonight. Great to be here, Holly G. Seems like you have about 18 clubs in your bag. Oh, always, my friend. You know that. Um, But, hey, you're a guy who has covered how many U.S. Opens? 20? I think 23, maybe. Yeah. Since 1995? Yeah. Corey Pavin, that was my first one at Shinnecock. Uh, It was funny. I was working at the Orlando Sentinel at the time, and there was a great run of Orlando champions. So they would come back, and uh, they would – it was a duplicate trophy you could make at 90% of the original. And they had really? this guy's card, and they just stuffed it up under the trophy because they figured another Orlando guy was going to win, right? You had, yeah. You had Pavin, and you had Payne Stewart back then, and Lee Jansen, and yeah, Ernie Ells. everybody living here. That's right. They're just handing it off to each other. Wow. Well, Gary Woodland, Mr. Bomber 2, winning in big-time style on Sunday. That amazing chip across the green on 17 and then slam dunking that 30-footer on 18. What a remarkable finish. What a great tournament. And uh, edging out Brooks Kepka, 
uh, from from a historic opportunity. Yeah, it was great for Gary. I mean, he was on the big stage all weekend. There was a lot of pressure on him being in the lead group on Saturday and Sunday, and he played so well. I mean, four bogeys in the course of a U.S. Open week is just incredible playing, and, and he's not – I think a lot of people always see the long hitters sometime and think these guys are so one-dimensional, but Gary Woodland has a lot of game, and he showed it, and he showed he learned a little something from being in that last group with Tiger Woods at the PGA – and uh, it, all came, it all came to fruition. It was really cool to see him. And he's been out there more than a decade. These guys work hard at it. So when you see them get their their big reward, it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, and I think, what, seven times he had the 54-hole lead right. and had not uh, oh, for seven. gotten the deal done. Right. So that's uh, you want to prove yourself. You want to – it takes a little inner confidence to say, hey, I can, I can do this. Right. And he, he comes from the competitive side of things. You know, it's not just uh, – he wasn't a golfer growing up solely. Basketball player. He hoops, but he's a great baseball player, you know, into his teens. Uh, played college basketball. So I think that's cool, the competitive edge he brings into it. He kind of was catching up on the golf front, right? He's trying to learn all the shots and uh, how to manage a golf course and manage your game. But on the competitive side, he's been there in, in the big – big-time arena with different sports, and I think that pays off big. Yeah, and, I, you know, very true also of Brooks Kepka. you know, a big-time athlete, played baseball, and, you know, you see so many of these guys that have grown up, you know, with multi-sports in their background. Uh, but as you were noting, Gary in particular, he really made the decision in college. You know, he was yeah, playing he basketball. Tried, tried a year of hoops. And yep. tried a year, they said that wasn't going to be it. And yeah, not when you're playing Kansas and Kansas yeah. State, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he took a took a uh, golf scholarship over to Kansas and just worked his way up. You know, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's really cool to see. He's such a nice guy. He lived here in Orlando for a long time. He's out of Lake Nona. Didn't know that. Uh, I remember playing a round of golf with him at Lake Nona. He shot 64, and he drove two of the par four holes, drove it on the green. And Trevor Immelman was out there at the time. He was in a cart. He was hurt. And he was going out to say hi to all the groups. Trevor would ride a hole and then ride else. And uh, he couldn't leave our group. He couldn't stop watching Gary Woodland. It was amazing. And you're like, I mean, this kid has a world of talent. And one of these days, it's all going to come together. And that was Sunday at Pebble Beach. Pretty cool place to make it happen. I'll tell you who has a world of talent who was uh, sort of my off-the-radar pick. Certainly not a dark horse, but... That was Xander Shoffley. I was hoping mm. maybe uh, he might go low, but uh, around a 73 and 71 in the middle there. He started out with a 66 and uh, had a nice round on Sunday, 67. I think he was one of the low rounds at minus four, he, right? He's got, I think, maybe three finishes of T6 or better now at the U.S. Open in three appearances, so it's pretty amazing. Uh, he kind of reminds me of a mini Gary Woodland, honestly. I mean, he's... His, Tenacious. When he got out there, his short game is not very good, so he's working on that. I mean, that's something Gary's done. Uh, Gary had worked hard on his putting, but Shoffley has a lot of length, and he's got this cool, quiet confidence. And uh, to, to, and he shows up on the big stages. So uh, that kid is, yeah, you're going to see a lot more of that kid certainly coming along. And what do you think of John Rahm? Uh, he looked for a while like he could be, you know, in the mix. It's always questionable about especially after we saw what he did at the players and uh, sort of having a moment where he um, 
you know, sort of lost his mind and probably didn't right. make the best choice in terms of what was it, hole number eleven when he was hitting out of the bunker, but yeah. or twelve, it was twelve, I think, and basically cost him the tournament. So, uh, but he didn't seem to, you know, he seemed to be more focused uh, in in yeah. this major and in a world of talent. I mean, he's a young kid still. You forget that these guys are so young. Uh, Rom's an amazing story. You know, he came here and he didn't even know English when he went to Arizona State. Uh, so he had to learn that. He, he said he was as proud as of getting a college degree as he was winning his first tour event. And and he doesn't really have the mentality, I don't think, right now to win a U.S. Open because he runs too hot. you got to be patient. you got to be cool. you got to make bogeys. So I thought his showing was really good. I thought it showed a lot of progress, and, and uh, he's definitely a guy that's going to get in the major circle. Definitely uh Slipping down the leaderboard, who was in the mix and in contention. And I think a lot of people thought uh, Rosie would get it done on Sunday, but he shot a 74. And, you know, his distance control on his irons definitely off. Uh, his putter was hot, was saving him everywhere, uh, especially on Saturday, but uh, hard to get it done on Sunday. Yeah, it's hard, hard to put that well four days. Yeah. Right? I mean, no on matter those, especially who you on are. those greens, too. Um, and he had just he had the magic going for three days, so you know you're hoping you have one more day like that with the putter, but he certainly didn't. And then once you miss that first short one, you get the, those doubts creep in. They haven't been there all week. I mean, I think he opened the tournament with 23 putts on Thursday, and maybe had 22 on Saturday. Those are two incredible. You know, those are are two of the best putting rounds you're going to have all season in the same week. So that was keeping him around, and kind of the the carriage kind of showed up at midnight for Justin Rose. Um, speaking of uh, of uh, talent up and coming, Victor Hovland, the amateur, the low am, fun to watch him. Mm. Uh, Oklahoma State, Ricky Fowler, alum, yeah. right? That's right, Oklahoma State country cowboy. He's got a lot of personality too. So he'll he make looked his, so calm, his, cool, his, and collected. His, I was like, yeah. look at this guy. A low amateur at the Masters, low amateur at the U.S. Open. Played really well. I mean, set a scoring record for amateurs at the U.S. Open. Yep. That's amazing. I think he broke Jack Nicklaus's record. That's not a ga- bad guy if you're going to start clipping people in the record books. Uh, but I just like the way a kid always has a smile on his face. Right. You know, it's he's going to have a good personality. He's going to be fun out there on tour. And he, he makes his pro debut this week in Hartford. He's uh, And he's... He showed himself on two big major stages to play very well. So Shooting 69 on, on Thursday and then uh, closing with a 67, four under on Sunday. That's, yeah, that was awesome. That's showing some metal. I had his coach on the bag. Alan Bratton was on the bag. You know, he played well this year, won some tournaments at Oklahoma State. His buddy, Matthew Wolf, who was a really good player, he's going to be out there this week in Hartford, teammate of uh, victors at Oklahoma State. So these kids just keep coming. I mean, that's the that's the thing. with The, the depth just keeps coming. I mean, if you're a 40-something player on the PGA Tour and you're looking in your rearview mirror, I mean, they don't stop. And, and they're really good, and they're coming from all corners of the globe. So it keeps those guys uh, that are holding onto their cards working really hard. Speaking of looking in the rearview mirror, Phil, <laughs> saying Phil. that it looks like uh, his U.S. Open chances may be over. What would you think of that yeah. comment? Well, they got a wing foot next year where he probably, out of his six runner-ups, that was the one he probably you know, regrets the most. Exactly. Making double on the last hole and you know what a, what a stupid I am moment. Uh, 
I'm such he, a stupid. You know, I, I, I still think you have to consider Phil a great U.S. Open player, even though he's never won the U.S. Open. Six runner-up finishes. But for a guy that's seemed to be pretty wild off the tee and you think about driving as a premium at the U.S. Open, so I, I consider Phil a great U.S. Open player. I mean, he put himself right there six times, and it probably should have happened a couple of times. The last thing you would have thought probably was to bet on whether or not Phil would win a U.S. Open or a British Open, yeah, right? Yeah, right. His British Open record was terrible when he won at Muirfield. It was awful. And he just popped, maybe because there were so low expectations, he popped in and won in 13. And he had and won the Scottish Open the week before, right? He won the Scottish Open. Uh, you know, he had a good run at uh, at Marion, the U.S. Open. That was another one when, when Justin Rose pulled away. Uh, Phil certainly had his chances at the U.S. Open. I mean, every a lot of great players have that one tournament. You know, Snead never got his U.S. Open, and, and uh, Arnold Palmer never got his PGA, and you know, some of those guys, it just doesn't happen. That career grand slam is a, a small group for a reason. It is indeed. Well, we've got a lot of U.S. Open wrap-up to discuss tonight. We've got a great lineup of our golf insiders. We've got Bob Herrick from ESPN coming up next. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Don Mealy Sport Mazda Studio. Sport Mazda, Orlando's Mazda Superstore, offering a lifetime warranty, five-day return privilege, and no dealer fee on new Mazdas. FM 96.9 The Game and iHeartRadio Station. Rain moving through the area. That is adding on to the delays along I-4. Expect jam traffic in both directions of I-4 between Champions Gate and the Deltona area. Stop on the ride southbound along the Greenway in between Bongi Creek all the way into the Turnpike. Delays in Kissimmee in both directions of 192 approaching Hoagland Boulevard. A wreck reported along Lake Underhill at Goldenrod slowing things down. And delays along Bongi Creek near Osceola Parkway with a crash. See traffic problems? Call the SafeTouchSecurity.com traffic tip line at 866-676-8477. From the Traffic Center, Courtney Bright. When your kid has a restless night. Mom, I can't sleep. Try Vicks Pure Z's Kids Gummies. They're drug-free, non-habit-forming, and specially formulated for kids with a low dose of melatonin to help them fall asleep naturally. Try Pure Z's Kids Gummies tonight. Consult with the doctor before use for ages four and up. My Golf Spy named Tour Edge Exotics EXS Driver the best value in their most wanted driver test for 2019. The new Tour Edge Exotics EXS Driver, Fairway, Hybrid, and Irons are pound for pound the best for performance, technology, innovation, and price. Get EXS Ultra Premium Performance and Innovation without the Ultra Premium Prices. Visit TourEdge.com for tour news and demo exotics at your local PGA Superstore. Tour Edge Exotics, the best value for the best performance in golf. Voted best new product by the International Network of Golf at the 2019 PGA Merchandise Show, Copper Tech golf gloves are a game changer in golf. Copper Tech, the only gloves in golf designed with copper compression technology that helps improve circulation, joint, and muscle pain. Manufactured with a non-slip spiderweave silicone material in the palm, Copper Tech gloves cause less grip tension, reduce wear and tear, and improve slip resistance in all types of weather. Prevent strain and muscle fatigue in your hands. For more info or to buy yours, go to coppertechglove.com. That's coppertechglove.com. For more than 35 years, Sam Sneed's Tavern is one of Orlando's favorite and most recommended restaurants in Central Florida. From light bites to some of the finest Angus beef, chicken, ribs, and fresh seafood, Sam Sneed's will surely satisfy your appetite. Sam Sneed's cozy, relaxed atmosphere is perfect for casual meetups or special occasions. Join them for lunch, dinner, or happy hour. They offer catering and private parties, too. Go to Facebook and Instagram and get hungry. Sam Sneed's Tavern. More than a meal. It's a legendary experience. 
Golf Central Magazine is the Southeast's oldest and most respected golf magazine covering turf, travel, philanthropy, and lifestyle. For 19 years, no other regional magazine has covered golf industry news, clubs, resorts, and real estate communities like Golf Central Magazine. Golf Central Magazine features golf industry leaders, associations, teaching professionals, and dedicated volunteers that are helping to grow the game. Find the latest product reviews, trends, and technology inside Golf Central Magazine. Go online and get the latest copy today. GolfCentralMag.com. GolfCentralMag.com. Google is fine for the weather and trivia questions, but it rocks when it comes to streaming us. Just tell them, okay, Google, play 96.9 The Game on iHeartRadio, and you'll hear us as loud as ever. Never miss a syllable of our golden words. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. The struggler's blues. We're back. The Gulf Insiders in the house. Holly G. Along with my special guest, Caddy tonight, Jeff Babineau with The Morning Read. And Sky Eye Golf. You've been up to uh, all kinds of stuff, Babs. Trying. Trying to keep busy. <laughs> Writing and, uh, you know, going to the dark side as communications director for a big new venture going on. Yeah, it's fun. We're having fun. You know, we're trying to bring a little more fun to golf and help PGA pros run a better business. You know, it's, uh, I think you go around. You and I know so many courses, even around here. They definitely could use a little bit of a boost and. It's fun. So Sky Eye Golf, we have a good team together, and it's been a fun venture. Led by our uh, former executive director of the North Florida PGA section, right. Rich Smith, who we know well. Rich Smith. We have Ben Herring came from the section to run our tournaments, and Kevin Weichel from here ran the Disney event for so many years. So you know, Bob Baldessari, we got a really fun team, good team, love golf. That's the thread. Everyone loves golf. Yep. So we're trying to give Great it a little new lift. venture. Yep, yeah. and to help uh, some courses and PGA pros uh, while you're at it. Um, we're going to waste no more time and go to one of our favorites and um, check in. So much going on with this U.S. Open. Not only the big win by Gary Woodland, but the story behind the story, which was this amazing Amy, Amy Bockerstedt, who, if you haven't heard about her story, because they ran it a bunch of times on Fox for good reason. Um, an amazing young lady who uh, has Down syndrome and earned her way to a college athletic scholarship playing golf and competed at the uh, Waste Management in Phoenix in February and had one of the most amazing pars on the famous uh, yeah. 16th hole there, Jeff. You and I in front of that crowd, oh, I'd, I'd have been knees would be shaking. triple bogey <laughs> at best. And I certainly probably would have yeah. six-dipped it out of the bunker. Just one of those cool moments. You know, they just, it was a PGA Tour opportunity, you know, where these Kuchar was playing, Matt Kuchar and Gary Woodland. We're going to meet Amy. She's going to hit a shot. I think when Gary asked her if she wanted to hit the bunker shot for her second shot, it surprised him when she said yes. <laughs> and he was, oh, okay, and handed her the wedge and, you saw Amy walking over there. I can do this. I can do this. And and she had a big impact. She's had a big impact on Gary's the month since Phoenix Open. She really has. They've stayed in touch. 
she sent him a nice video or two around his birthday, and it's been a really cool story to watch. You know, and then to see them reunited after the U.S. Open, and she was holding the trophy. That was that's just really cool goosebumps. to see. Look at I, these it's goosebumps. It's a goosebump moment, no oh, doubt. Yeah. Well, really uh, cool. the guy who was covering it uh, through the end uh, probably can fill us in on that moment in the presser. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com on the line. Hey, Bob. Hey, guys. Babs, how you doing? Hey, Bob. So uh, quite a moment with uh, Gary getting it done on 17 and draining that putt on 18, Bob. Uh, what was it like afterwards and, and your thoughts? Still trying to determine what I thought was the better shot, the three wood to the 14th hole from 250-some yards. Uh, or that that pitch shot off the green on 17, and which, you know, I mean, just sitting there, remember that and thinking about that day, it's like it's just not a shot you practice. I mean, these guys don't practice pitch shots on a green, and you know, you have to kind of nip that thing perfectly, and especially and, under pressure. Exactly. God forbid I mean, you took a six-inch gouge in front of you know the world on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty gutsy. I mean, you know, I, I, I realized that getting a putt, hitting a putt to that pin from there was probably not going to get very close. But maybe you'd get it to eight feet or something and have a chance. Um, you know, to me, uh, you know, you, you, if, you, if you hit that chip shot poorly, you could chunk it or you could blade it. You know, you could have something a lot worse than eight, ten feet. So... Uh, and obviously he knocked it to a couple of inches, which was remarkable. And, and it was huge at the time. He didn't know what what Kepka was doing up up ahead of him. You know, for all he knew, that Kepka might have an eagle putt. You know, he, he knew by, by making par that there, he was most likely keeping his lead going to the 18th tee. And that was, um, that was pretty important. Bob, you keep a, a good eye out there on Tiger Woods. You know, he played okay, I guess, for the week, 282. Um, what were your impressions of Tiger's play, and and do you think he was prepared enough going in there that week? Yeah, I think this, this is the question you know that we are now asking about preparation because you know he played a pretty pretty good schedule leading into the Masters, and I don't think anybody thought he was underprepared there. Uh, but now you know he's played ten rounds of golf since the Masters in competition. Obviously, he didn't play before the PGA. Did not look good there. Had a decent week at the Memorial. Uh, and and you know at, at Pebble Beach, I I'm prone to think it was more about his physical state. And um, you know I'm not sure that he could have prepared any 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 more and. And had that altered, you know, um, it just, you know, it, the, the fact that he admitted to it a good bit suggested to me that, you know, he was just bothered a little bit more than, than, than normal. And the cool temperatures just are not good for him uh, at this point. I think we saw that earlier this year uh, it, it, at Riviera, that final Sunday when he had to play, I think it was 30 holes. At the Genesis Open, you know they they teed off early in the morning. I remember it vividly. It was like 46 degrees, and he looked awful after that day. Uh, and and then you know he went to Mexico the next week where it was hot and and actually played pretty well. He just didn't putt very well. Um, you know I think going forward it's always going to be better for him when the weather's warm. Uh, but he he's going to leave himself open to scrutiny. 
um, by by not playing a lot uh, going into these tournaments. And now it's looking very much like he will not play a tournament before Portrush. Bob, we've talked a lot about that, you know, about it takes the rounds. Um, you have a great story that you posted yesterday on ESPN.com about, you know, Tiger and the new normal. I think we all probably got our hopes raised at the Masters, but I think we've seen from that, one, how much, you know, it, it, it took out a Tiger. And if you think about it, he hadn't won a major since 2008. If you think about what he went through physically and mentally over all that time to then get to that place to get back, you know, in, in winning a major. But then, again, the medical aspect, the phys- physical aspect of, you know, that unknown from, from week to week. Yeah, you know, I think it's fair to ask now, and, and I'm not sure he'd, he'd probably have to give him some truth serum, but, <laughs> you know, after he won the Masters, did, 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 the, did the air come out of the balloon a little bit for him? Um, you remember he, you know, he, he geared up hard at the end of last year to win the tour championship. He, you know, he had the, had the great open, the great PGA he came. He was in the mix of majors. He won the tour championship after taking some downtime. He built himself back up for the masters. He clearly had his fight set on that. And then he does it, you know, and you just sort of wonder, like, did he sort of feel like, I don't really have have it in me to try to do this again this year. Uh, I mean, uh, he clearly wasn't able to get himself up to play a tournament before the PGA. Um, and unfortunately for him, um, you know, Pebble at a golf course that he really likes and has played well on, um, you know, I just don't think the weather cooperated for, for his body. And now he faces the same thing at Portrush. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some success in the playoffs because it's going to be warm weather. You know, right. so um, you know, it just—I I think what it did was, you know, I—I I, I wondered is 19 back in play if we won the Masters, and and now I'm starting to look back and think, you know, may, maybe we are forgetting a little bit about just how hard it was to climb that mountain, and does he have it in him? You know, but he used to always stay in that level. You know, I think now that is very difficult for him to do. And, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. I mean, at one point last week, he talked about having 10 more years of majors. Um, but, you know, when you see what he went through there, he clearly was not in an optimal uh, position to try to go after it at those tournaments. And, and, uh, and then yet, you know, he finishes by – I'm playing the last 12 holes in six under. I mean, there's a yeah. few guys that would have loved to have had that uh, going for them yeah, great down run, the stretch. Yeah. No doubt. I think you bring up a great point. I mean, I think you talk about him climbing the mountain to win that major again, been a decade, and there's certainly going to be some kind of letdown on the other side of it. But I do think it's interesting that 19 at least is a conversation now, or 18, I mean, at least is a conversation that we didn't have, I, I think, before April. I mean, don't you think? Yes. It's certainly, I think now it's fair to bring up. I mean, you know, um, know, all of a sudden some of the naysayers have gone back to, you know, why are you giving this guy so much attention? Or, you know, he's he's not the same as he was. Well, of course he's not. You know, Um, he's not the same as he was 10 years ago. He's not the same as he was in 2013. But he won the Masters. Come on. And he's ranked fifth in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, and, and okay, sure, he missed a cut. I mean, oh, 
Well, look, lots of guys miss cuts. Justin Thomas missed the cut at the PGA, you know, and he's coming off an injury. In fact, you know, this is not this is no knock on Justin Thomas. It's more of a tribute to Tiger. And Justin Thomas has missed more cuts in his career than Tiger. Yeah. You know, and they've they've got what sixteen, seventeen year age difference. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just think uh, uh, you know, once again, the expectations are we're, we're ratcheted up, and I do think it's fair because I think he will try to get himself in position to win to win majors. That they're going to obviously be more important. But I'm starting to wonder here now if, like, you know, if the uh, if the schedule change actually hurt him, because it's hard for him to turn around after the Masters and get ready for the PGA. Now, he in, throughout his career, he always took a big break after the Masters, and he turned back into it. You know, he would play the last few years. He played Quail Hollow and then the Players, and 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 that that was a month, five weeks later. Well, now to get ready for for the PGA, which is four weeks later, we're asking him to play a tournament before, which is two weeks after the Masters, something he's never done. So, uh, and then, you know, you look at the, at the weather in May. Next year it's at Harding Park. I mean, uh, San Francisco. I, I'm not so sure that's going to be real warm there in May. Uh, and so he kind of faces this. Obviously, June at Wingfoot should be fine. But then again, it's the U.S. Open, and I think that's the hardest one for him to win now. So uh, it's, uh, it's it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. I think you know he he made a point this year to say he was going to play less. He was going to try to take care of his his back better, and you know really, and that's just what's playing out now. Absolutely, and Beth Page would have looked a whole lot different in August this year than it sure did in May, uh, as we both know, having been there. So. Uh, certainly, you know, it, I, I agree with you. I think with some of these guys, uh, just the whole schedule, the compression uh, is having them have to make some, some different decisions. And uh, it's, you know, it's definitely impacting, impacting them. Well, you know, in Tiger's case, um, obviously he's, he's getting a little bit of flack for not playing between the opens. And I, I get it. It's, it's not ideal. You know, I, I if he were to go play in Minnesota, I'm not sure that's great prep for Portrush, but it's at least it's competition and it's hitting shots and getting some feedback. But on the other end, if he skips a FedEx Cup playoff event or if he skips WGC the week after uh, the Open, well, then he's going to hear it for that too, you know. And and he's got he's looking at playing the Open. You know, right now we're thinking he's going to probably play Memphis. You know, uh, then a week off, and then then possibly three playoff events. I don't know if he might skip the first one. But, I mean, either way, it's five out of six weeks, or it's four out of six weeks. And and he hasn't played three weeks in a row all year, and he's only played back to back once. So you know, he's facing that too. Like so, like if you had added a tournament, like I get, well, why doesn't he play the Scottish Open? Well, you know. Rory's doing that and playing three in a row, taking a week off, and then playing four in a row because he's playing the week after the Tour Championship in Europe. Now, Rory's 30 and can handle it. It's a lot harder for Tiger to do that. and So it's, it's, it's caused these guys to make some decisions, and that's kind of the fallout of the new schedule. Yeah, I think all these guys will be happy to put their feet up in September, but uh, <laughs> they're paying the price for a condensed schedule, no doubt. Yep. All right, Bob, as always, we appreciate you spending a little time with us. Check out his Wonderful in-depth story on Tiger Woods on ESPN.com. Thank you, Bob.
Appreciate it. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. This report is sponsored by Indeed.com. I-4 still with plenty of delays in both directions in between the Sanford area and Kissimmee. Eastbound along the 408 with plenty of slow traffic from 436 into Dean Road. There's a wreck along Econ Trail between the Greenway and Colonial Drive. An accident clearing along Goldenrod at Bates Road. And delays northbound along 429 in between the Turnpike and Plant Street. See traffic problems? Call the SafeTouchSecurity.com traffic tip line at 866-676-8477. From the Traffic Center, Courtney Bright. Indeed, used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. My golf spy named Tour Edge Exotics EXS driver the best value in their most wanted driver test for 2019. The new Tour Edge Exotics, EXS Driver, Fairway, Hybrid, and Irons are pound-for-pound the best for performance, technology, innovation, and price. Get EXS Ultra Premium Performance and Innovation without the Ultra Premium Prices. Visit TourEdge.com for tour news and demo exotics at your local PGA Superstore. Tour Edge Exotics, the best value for the best performance in golf. Voted best new product by the International Network of Golf at the 2019 PGA Merchandise Show, Copper Tech Golf Gloves are a game changer in golf. Copper Tech, the only gloves in golf designed with copper compression technology that helps improve circulation, joint, and muscle pain. Manufactured with a non-slip spider weave silicone material in the palm, Copper Tech gloves cause less grip tension, reduce wear and tear, and improve slip resistance in all types of weather. Prevent strain and muscle fatigue in your hands. For more info or to buy yours, go to coppertechglove.com. That's coppertechglove.com. For more than 35 years, Sam Sneed's Tavern is one of Orlando's favorite and most recommended restaurants in Central Florida. From light bites to some of the finest Angus beef, chicken, ribs, and fresh seafood, Sam Sneed's will surely satisfy your appetite. Sam Sneed's cozy, relaxed atmosphere is perfect for casual meetups or special occasions. Join them for lunch, dinner, or happy hour. They offer catering and private parties, too. Go to Facebook and Instagram and get hungry. Sam Sneed's Tavern. More than a meal. It's a legendary experience. Golf Central Magazine is the Southeast's oldest and most respected golf magazine covering turf, travel, philanthropy, and lifestyle. For 19 years, no other regional magazine has covered golf industry news, clubs, resorts, and real estate communities like Golf Central Magazine. Golf Central Magazine features golf industry leaders, associations, teaching professionals, and dedicated volunteers that are helping to grow the game. Find the latest product reviews, trends, and technology inside Golf Central Magazine. Go online and get the latest copy today. GolfCentralMag.com. GolfCentralMag.com. 96.9 The Game. FM. HD. Online at 96.9thegame.com. On your phone with the iHeartRadio app. And on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. An iHeartRadio station. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play at Pebble, won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. Swing in the house drives my wife up the wall. She shouldn't worry, I don't use a ball. It'd be good to just make We're back, the Golf Insiders. In the house, Holly G, along with my special caddy tonight, 
Jeff Babineau of The Morning Read, former president of the Golf Writers Association of America, and we have another former president of the GWAA. Such an esteemed group I'm with tonight. The one, the only, Gary Van Sickle joins us. Hello, GVS. It's it's great. I just want to know why Jeff got promoted to caddy, and I'm still, you know, nothing. We're <laughs> the four caddy. And a Gary a gavel. And he, he swung it at me. That's <laughs> right. Um, and you're also with the Morning Read. Uh, that uh, you know, it's got the best writers in our business right now. TheMorningRead.com. Well, there's a lot of uh, really good writers out there who whose horses got shot out from under them, and uh, you know, Morning Read's a good place to find them. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty strong crew of I don't know what to call us, but <laughs> veterans. We're veterans. veterans. Savvy group of grizzled veterans. Wily. That's right. Yeah, and, we, and we're done going out to get grizzled, but we're we're savvy. If I say crusty old journalist, then <laughs> um, I'm pointing the finger at myself. So, yes. um, so here's the 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 big question: Did the USGA get it right, Mister Van Cynical? I think you have to say yes. I, I like the fact that what struck me was I forget which player it was on. Tuesday, I think at Pebble said they had come in on Saturday or Sunday and played the course, and it was in the greens were rock hard, and they thought, "Wow, it's going to be a tough week." And then they came off for practice round Monday or Tuesday, and it's like the greens are mush. Like what happened? So obviously, there's somebody watered the heck out of them, which would be the USGA. So they decided to err on the side of caution for once, and. As it turned out, the, it, the marine layer came in. The greens never got firm. So clouded up, but they never dried out. It was uh, the wind never came up. Conditions were scoring was really was really easy, relative to what it could have been, relative to an open. Uh, and do you hear anybody complaining the scores were too low? No, it, 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 that's that's how good these guys are. Thirteen hundred winning score. That's you know, when when par seventy one. That's probably what the score ought to be unless you get bad weather you've really tricked the course up too much so i think it turned out well i I, i'm not going to criticize the usga for not making it tough enough because they did what they could and took the risk out of the equation which has screwed up a couple opens to pass so i i think you got a good money on this one yeah, I agree. I mean, I think one thing people at home watching forget in a hurry is that there wasn't a lot of wind. So yeah. there's not a whole lot you're going to do if there's not a lot of wind. So you see the under par scores. You see that these guys have a lot of wedges in their hand. But, I mean, I, I don't know your opinion on this, Gary, but, I mean, once you get through seven holes there, it's kind of a hang-on type of golf course. I, Absolutely. I, I don't, you don't see that as an easy golf course, do you? Not really. The only thing, uh, you know, and, I just got done writing something for Morning Read. Uh, I don't know if it's for more, probably not till Friday, but the only thing that bothered me is because of the distance, how far everybody hits it. The, that's the only reason it's kind of easy. The course is only 7,000 yards. Where did anybody really have to hit driver? Number two, number nine, number 10. And if you wanted to get home in two on 14, you hit driver. Right. Uh, and that was it. I mean, Kepka hit three with three iron into 18. At even at number two, which is now a par four for the open, Tiger one day hit three wood. It's a 515 yard hole, and he had like 206 in. 
So the three one went three oh nine. Yeah. So but you know, three they're you know, three they're hitting a three wood or hybrid. I mean, you just don't really have to hit driver not to avoid the rough. It's just to because of the length. You don't need to. So I think that's the only drawback to Pebble. But if you think about it, Oakmont was the same way. Shinnecock was the same way. You know, they're really going to have to start growing the six-inch rough every year. Uh, that's the only defense they really have for distance. Um, so I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's just the way it is right now. But, look, the Open turned out well. And, you know, Jeff, what you said, the scores were low, but only a couple guys really went low. Look how many guys were at 300, 400, 500, 600. That's only really – that's a shot and a half under par B. They really didn't much, so – Except for a few guys, the course held up really well. I, I, it's hard to find anything to complain about. I just think it's a, it's kind of a warning sign that this is what you have. This is how far these guys hit it. And is Pebble Beach going to be relevant ten more years from now for an open? I don't know. I read where they have they're actually talking about lengthening the 18th by 30 or 40 yards, which I think. Uh, you know, how do you mess with that hole? And interestingly, well, were they going to build a boat or what? Yeah. yeah. Like, how do, how do you put a T on a Dingy. boat out there? Exactly. Like, like, on like an eight. course in Idaho with a floating green. <laughs> and the 18th still played more difficult than the par five six, and it was the 15th toughest overall. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, there's the problem at Pebble. Even if there's a reason it's still 7,000 yards, there's no place to go. Right. So uh, unless you're going to buy somebody's, you know, unless you're going to knock down part of the clubhouse or buy some, buy up a couple mansions, some, I mean, they're landlocked. They they don't really have an option. I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know that it's it just you know, the open's supposed to be an ultimate test. And I, I remember writing this in the '80s when I was in a newspaper. Guys complained at the open in the '80s because they grew the rough so deep. It took driver out of their hands. They weren't doing that to limit distance. They were doing it to make guys, you know, really test accuracy. And if you thought you could hit it straight, great, go ahead. But now we're at the point where they need the rough to limit distance. So we're kind of in the same. We've kind of just lost 30 years. We're regressing 30 years where Where'd they go? we're going to go back to narrow fairways and, and really deep, ferocious rough. Yeah, and even uh, though even though they, you know, weren't using driver – um, you know, forced a difficult line off the tee with the water left, the cypress down the middle, and out of bounds on the right. I mean, there were a fair amount of guys that were messing with yeah. the tree. It doesn't seem when you watch that tournament early in the year in February, getting home in two seems like a big deal. And and this week you just saw some of those guys. Now I know like Xander Shoffley hit a rock one day, but he's hitting eight or eight iron in there, you know, and, and these guys are hitting some unbelievable clubs in there for second shots. So that to me was a little strange. Just how eighteen played, I don't think it usually plays that short. Doesn't seem. Yeah, well, even even fourteen, it used to be only the longest of the long used right. to reach there, and I would make the same comparison to Augusta. Number eight, I mean, Jack used to be just about the only guy who even thought about getting home and two at number eight. Now you know, Billy Andrade's getting there and two, and all kinds of guys are getting there and two. You know, it's just the game has changed so much. Augusta's done a good job of staying ahead of the curve, but uh, most of these other courses aren't able to. And even if they, you know, they either can't or they they haven't, or they aren't willing to change their course just for one week a year, one week a year, or in case of a major, 
one week every 10 years. So I, I don't, you know, it's not a knock. It's just, but yeah, it was a lot easier for Gary Woodland to keep the lead coming in where he gets to 15, gets a stinger iron, gets to 16, hits a stinger iron, gets to 17, he flares one, hits a great shot, gets to 18, hits a stinger iron. You know, uh, if he'd had played some holes where he had to hit driver, it might, you know, those, it might have been a little more interesting, but right. he didn't, he didn't have to. So, you know, it was the same for everybody, but again, I have no complaints. I'm just, it's just to me, this is just a warning sign that this is going to come, this, 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 this thing is going to come home to roost one of these days. And, you know, I'm waiting for somebody at a, at an open championship, like at St. Andrews or somewhere over there, you get four days of calm win or even one day of calm win. And, um, so somebody's going to go out and shoot 57. I, I uh, don't courses over there are so short. Yeah. I, I don't know if you happen to see this, but there was some um, selfie video that Greg Norman posted about leaving the rakes in the bunkers and, and or taking them out of the bunkers, basically letting you know the pros play it like it lies in the bunkers, just like they have to in the divots and the fairway. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he'd been drinking too much of his <laughs> wine that afternoon. Wow. But you you got to look that up because I thought okay that's you know maybe okay well, they, for the pros but for the rest of us come yeah, on yeah. you try to make well, this they, game they, even harder. They tried that as they did an experiment at the Memorial Tournament a few years ago where Jack got the okay to put furrows in the bunker like kind of like Oakmont did but not years ago but not as bad and everybody hated it and as it yeah. turned out. When they checked the stats, it, it barely made a dent in the sand safes. It didn't really make much difference. So, uh, yeah, you want to do that for a tournament. You want to – you know, I, that's one thing I've said. Bunkers are so easy for the pros. And, Jeff, I'm sure you've played in some Monday after a tournament days. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier than what you and I play out of bunkers that they're not fluffed up sand. You're lucky if it's sand half the time. Sometimes it's gravel. Sometimes it's – it's dirt. Or exactly. Powder. You never, and there's, there's no tour the same. And that's how courses used to be until the PGA tour. They're so good with their agronomy and maintenance that they're able to make these bunkers uniform and standard and they're fluffed up and, and they're perfect. Right. Who wouldn't like, you know, I'd be a lot better bunker player if I had perfect sand every time. But sometimes I feel like I, it's like, I don't carry a gravel wedge. How do you hit this shot? So I still like to, my dream is to see, uh, the U.S. Open or some major tournament held at a at like the worst beat up municipal course ever, where these guys would have to have have divots, the the tees are bare, <laughs> and the kind of conditions that we play in all the time. And ideally, instead of tee times, players would have to go to the first tee, put their ball in the rack, and get in line. Uh, I think that'd be a great tournament that could really. I'm covering, the, like van, that. I'm covering the Van Sickle. The Van Sickle poor the man's van Muni plan. Open. The Van Cynical Classic. The Van Cynical Invitational. All right. We're Field in. of eight. All right. All right, Gary, we got to run. Thank you so much, my friend. And you still got a few uh, more minutes of daylight. You can go out there and hit some uh, bunker shots. Yeah, let me know when it stops raining in Pittsburgh, which is turning into a tropical jungle. <laughs> yeah, same here. Thank you, my friend. Gary Van Sickle, right. check hey, out Gary. his uh, story coming up on Friday on The Morning Read. You're listening to Golf Insiders. We'll be right back. Take
Take off your glasses this summer. Call 800-EYE-EXAM today. Visit myvisionfreedom.com. My golf spy named Tour Edge Exotics EXS driver the best value in their most wanted driver test for 2019. The new Tour Edge Exotics EXS driver, fairway, hybrid, and irons are pound for pound the best for performance, technology, innovation, and price. Get EXS ultra premium performance and innovation without the ultra premium prices. Visit touredge.com for tour news and demo exotics at your local PGA Superstore. Tour Edge Exotics. The best value for the best performance in golf. Voted best new product by the International Network of Golf at the 2019 PGA Merchandise Show. Copper Tech golf gloves are a game changer in golf. Copper Tech, the only gloves in golf designed with copper compression technology that helps improve circulation, joint, and muscle pain. Manufactured with a non-slip spider weave silicone material in the palm, Copper Tech gloves cause less grip tension, reduce wear and tear, and improve slip resistance in all types of weather. Prevent strain and muscle fatigue in your hands. For more info or to buy yours, go to coppertechglove.com. That's coppertechglove.com. For more than 35 years, Sam Sneed's Tavern is one of Orlando's favorite and most recommended restaurants in Central Florida. From light bites to some of the finest Angus beef, chicken, ribs, and fresh seafood, Sam Sneed's will surely satisfy your appetite. Sam Sneed's cozy, relaxed atmosphere is perfect for casual meetups or special occasions. Join them for lunch, dinner, or happy hour. They offer catering and private parties, too. Go to Facebook and Instagram and get hungry. Sam Sneed's Tavern. More than a meal. It's a legendary experience. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so mean. We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G. And the reason it's so intelligent tonight is because we have Jeff Babineau sitting in the caddy chair from the morning read. Um, and someone we always like to have on the show, co-host of Morning Drive on the Golf Channel, joining us, Damon Hack on the line. Hello, Mr. D. Hey, Holly G and Babs. What's going on, guys? Yeah, hack in the house. How about right. this dynamic duo tonight, huh? I'm pumped. This is uh, this is special. <laughs> well, speaking of special, of course, we've been talking all about the finish on Sunday, and you know, of course, Gary Woodland getting it done. Um, but you know, Brooks certainly showing up, and it looked um, when Gary was standing over that that chip on 17 that it could be a, potentially a playoff in the making. What'd you think about Brooks on Sunday? Yeah, it was neat to see, you know, that 17th hole, which kind of was everything Gary Woodland had been working on over the last several years. Always a, a big hitter, wonderful ball striker, turned pro the same year as Dustin Johnson. So here he is needing to lean on, on what had been the weakest part of his game. Uh, here he's got Brooks Kepka, the best player in the world, this major championship dominator, breathing down his neck, and he's able to, to save par. What, what a moment for a 35-year-old who been what oh you know over 27 in terms of top tens even in major championships then had two out of three top tens uh you know going into this one and just for him to be able to hold on and really slam the door on 17 and 18 it had to be very very satisfying for a player who at one time was kind of one of those young american hopefuls part of that you know that edge of uh 
Bash Brother, DJ, Bubba, JB, Camillo, that bomb and gouge generation. Well, he separated himself on Sunday in winning his first major championship. And hats off to Brooks uh, coming so close, uh, you know, to this historic three-peat. Uh, not only did, you know, he congratulate Gary afterwards, you know, was right there greenside, but also showed a lot of class in sitting down um, with, with Fox afterwards. He really did, and this just tells you where Brooks Kepka is uh, from a, a physical and, and mental standpoint. He's here to stay. I mean, you know, a, a poor week for him is, is finishing runner-up. I mean, he didn't birdie a par five on Sunday, struggled on the par fives on the back nine all week long, uh, and still was right there at the end. And it's amazing to think that he'll now go to Port Rush where his caddy uh, grew up, Ricky Elliott, has played thousands of rounds. So uh, understandably why you, you can understand why Bruce Kepler will be a favorite, not just next month at Royal Port Rush, but for the foreseeable future. He has made what is supposed to be the most stressful, difficult weeks uh, look very, very easy and comfortable. It's, it's neat to see someone really raise his level uh, the way Brooks Kepka has done over the last couple of seasons. You know, Damon, I'm still convinced that the guy doesn't truly get his due when you look at the run he's been on since you know his last 15 major starts, all those top 10s, what, 10 top 10s, now four wins. It's uh, amazing. What, what's your take on that? Do you think we're giving this guy his due? I mean, I, I think his run, you look at it and – you, you were there for the height of the Tiger era. I mean, it's it's a lot of major dominance. Yeah, I, I think that he's, you know, it, it's a personality thing to a certain extent. I think he's trying to open up a little bit more and kind of take on some some issues of the day, whether it's slow play or, or different things like that. I don't know if it's because he just doesn't, you know, emote as much. I think we've all been, you know, we were just kind of beaten over the head with Tiger's brilliance, but he also put on a show while he was right. doing it, you know, it'd give you the shot out of the bunker at Hazeltine in 02 or, or out of the bunker at the Canadian Open or, or the chip-in at 16 in 2005 against Chris DeMarco. He had these these moments that just that made you want to tune in all the time. And I think that, you know, Brooks doesn't have the week-to-week, you know, kind of dominance that, that Tiger Woods had. And it's interesting that he's, you know, four major championships and two regular PGA Tour wins. and. Right. I think there's, for whatever reason, there's just a bit of a disconnect. I don't know if it's personality-wise. I don't know if it's because uh, we're still kind of blinded by the Tiger Woods eclipse and, and 81 wins and 15 majors. But I tell you what, the, the, Brooks keeps knocking off major championships. He's going to start sneaking up on, on discussions that will bring him to Arnold Palmer, uh, you know, Ben Hogan, Tom Watson, just in terms of major championship production, if not really kind of crossing over and becoming uh, one of those transcendent athletes like those aforementioned gentlemen. Well, and, and speaking of, uh, you know, giving us some, some uh, shots to entertain us, uh, I don't know which we've been sitting here tonight asking the question, you know, which, which was the more impressive shot? The, the, uh, was it a three-wood over the bunker to, right. to 14 or, you know, the shot on 17 and then, of course, you know, uh, making the putt on 18? Uh, I mean, he had, sort of had it in the bag then, but, uh, you know, th- that was some great stuff. It really was, and I think the 14th hole was, was kind of what you expect from a powerful player who, who kind of had a decision to make, and, and his decision was, I'm going to go out and win this golf tournament, and I'm going to have to do something special, and, and that really was a remarkable one. But, but for me, you know, 17, maybe because of the lore and history and what's happened there with Tom Watson in 82, of course, chipping in uh, on the way to denying 
a fifth U.S. Open to Jack Nicklaus. The fact that it was such a, a, a weak part of his game, and Gary Woodland has spent the last several years working with Pete Cowan, who was recommended by Butch Harmon uh, that Gary Woodland go see, and that it came down to having to hit that type of shot where, you know, the 20 handicapper is, doesn't even pull the club back. He, you, know, you, know, you know, even the, the, the five handicapper would struggle with, with that shot at that moment. So for him to kind of step up and say, this is what I've been working on, and I'm going to be able to put it, you know, under pressure, under the lights of the 71st hole of a major championship, and to nearly hole it, it just has to give him just so much confidence going forward should he find himself in that kind of situation again. So, uh, Dave, we've just got about a minute and a half, but we, now we turn to the Travelers, a great championship at the TPC up in uh, uh, River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. Pretty decent field uh, coming all the way from the West Coast. You've got Brooks is teeing it up, Tony Finau, Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, Paul Casey, Jason Day, Bryson DeChambeau. Justin Thomas. Yeah, uh, Molinari, Cantlay. Just uh, who, who should we be watching this, this yeah. week? I'm looking at a couple of Oklahoma State alums and Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf making their oh, pro debuts. And, and good on the, the Travelers. And, and Babs has been there so many times through the years as well. They've done a great job with the sponsors' exemptions to the young players. And, and you're seeing players like the Cantleys and, and the Speaks and Thomases. They come back. They come back and patronize this tournament that has some of the best fans and best volunteers and an absolutely fantastic finishing stretch of holes. So, Good on the people, you know, Nathan Groove and, and Stefan and some of the great folks uh, at, at the Travelers for making this event really one of the, the true gems of the PGA Tour schedule. Absolutely. And uh, hats off and congrats on a great week uh, at the U.S. Open for the Golf Channel as always, keeping us uh, wall-to-wall informed and uh, from morning drive right through to the coverage late into the evening, prime time. You got to love that, Damon. Fun. I like the West Coast U.S. Open. I like laying in bed and being able to see those pretty pictures coming from California. I, Pebble <laughs> Beach every other year, I wouldn't mind it. Goes to the Do US it. Open. I like that. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Damon Hack, co-host of the Morning Drive. Catch it every morning on the Golf Channel. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys. All right. Hey, Damon. Babs, who are you picking for the Travelers? I like Patrick. Patrick Cantlay, you know, had a little magic there as an amateur, and he's uh, he can really go low. He's up there at ten to one odds. Uh, I like him and Paul Casey. That's a special tournament for him too. So him going back there and uh, that's a big one for him. So it's, it's they got a great field as Damon. They said, really done do. A great job. Um, I'm looking at uh, well, how I like Jason Day now that he's got you Stevie do. Williams yeah. on the bag. Who's hitting the shots? Which one? Mm, that's <laughs> a good question. And um. Hey, maybe Mark Leishman. He's coming out yeah. with his own beer. Leishman's Lager. Yeah. Maybe that'll get him in the zone. What do you, you think? Win, win a million bucks on Sunday, and you can send a lot of them to that crowd there. 80,000 <laughs> people, free beer. Absolutely. Fantastic tournament, and uh, hats off to a great field. The Travelers, you can catch it Thursday, Friday on Golf Channel, Saturday and Sunday on CBS. The Golf Insiders, we've got a tea time. we got to go. We love you. Bye-bye.